If you brought your Bible with you today, go with me to the book of Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Is everybody ready? Father, we're so thankful today for your word. It's life to us. It's health to all of our flesh. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is our teacher and our guide. You lead us into all the truth. Thank you for your guidance today. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to read this verse. We've been reading it for the last few weeks uh, for this new series. And uh, if it's good once, it's good to read again. Would you agree? How many know the, the Bible isn't one of those books that you read, and then after that you say, well, I read that already. You know, maybe a novel, you might read that, and you may never read it again. Why, you already read it. Uh, the Scriptures, the words that come from God, uh, do not work that way. There is much, much more to see and understand. And and not only that, we have to stay fresh in it, or or what happens is you think you know it, when you don't. Say amen or, amen or say oh me. Let's read our verse. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. So that must be a possibility, right? For that day will not come. That day is the day of the Lord. The return of the Lord. The day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. And... The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Okay, so before the Lord returns, there's going to be, of course, the revealing of, of the Antichrist, the man of sin, son of perdition. There's also going to be a falling away, a departure from the faith, a revolt on God. Okay, not a positive, not something we're happy about. A reality. It's already happening. But it is happening and will happen to such a degree that we would be able to identify it as something that is telling us the Lord's coming back really soon. Because if that weren't the case, we wouldn't have it written that this was one of the things that would help us to avoid being deceived as to thinking like this church was that the day of the Lord had already come. Okay, and so we've been taking some time over the last few weeks talking about, uh, again, my title is Last Day's Survival Guide. I'm not talking about barely making it through. I'm not talking about skimping through life. No, the blessing of the Lord is strong and always will be. Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. But I don't want to backslide. I don't want to turn away. I don't want to be among those who will turn away from the Lord in the last days. And I don't want anyone I know to do that either. I don't want anyone who's come through the doors of this building, has been a part of our church, to turn away from God. Now, we don't have a perfect record. There have been those who have come and they have backslid and gone away. They didn't have to, though. They didn't. And you don't. And I don't. And the Lord has given us keys, insight. He, he's given us things that, so, we, so we can be prepared and ready 
so that we'll recognize the enemy's traps. We won't fall for them. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've given you some of these points from various scriptures that I believe are some of the reasons why individuals or some individuals will fall away. We said already that, number one, some fall away because they love this world. They love this present world. Not they love the kingdom of God. They love the Lord. They love this present world. Secondly, you remember we talked about how individuals will fall away because they do not love the truth. There must be a specific affection and commitment and dedication in our hearts to truth. Not just... Uh, not, not just the approval of man or the praises of men, but truth that sometimes people will hate you for. They'll criticize you for it. They'll call you all kinds of ugly names. In the age of social media, people feel free to criticize because they're even more so than in the past. They'll write all kinds of nasty things about believers, about Christians. But let's not be moved. And then we said, we said also... Number three, and remember Jesus said this in Matthew 24, uh, that people will become offended. People will become offended. And so if I don't keep my, my guard up and I don't stay watchful and knowledgeable of these events, then I could fall to any of them. You could fall to any of these traps. But if we see it, we know it, we're ready, we're not going to. You see, people don't... Like I say, revolt for no reason. We're intelligent, right? I mean, we have, we have some knowledge of, of the Lord and, of, and events and things to come. But there's usually a reason. There's usually something in their mind that justifies their decisions that lead them out, that lead them away from God and not toward Him. Uh, often, like we said, it's hurt, it's offense, hurt feelings, it's unforgiveness. Often those things are a root and that's that issue of offense. You remember last week, I ended with making statements like this. My life, my wife, my church, my friends, those around me do not have to be perfect in order for me to have a good life and for me to be happy. If you have some requirement or everything has to go your way in your, in your spouse, in your church, in, your, in other relationships, where everything, everyone has to do things uh, according to your liking, your preference, something that you're not irritated or annoyed by, you have a tough road ahead of you. All right? Because that is called life and not everything is going to go your way. Not everyone's going to do everything you like. Not everyone's going to uh, do things that you agree with. But let's not fall into the trap uh, that every dislike or every disagreement, um, where, we, where we allow it to turn into some sort of outrage. I'm just, I just can't put up with this. Really? You know, what, there's an old saying that, like, uh, that a person is no, goes something like this, a person is no bigger than the little things that annoy them. And if little things are constantly knocking us off the path and getting us stressed out and, and angry and whatever, then we, I tell you, I mean, can I just tell you, strong, we need to grow up. We need to have some, some a greater 
um, depth of, of character and heart to where we can just rise above, blow things off and keep on loving life, loving the Lord, loving each other. And uh, these things are vital to keep us going the right direction. Now, go with me over to Matthew 24 again. Matthew, the 24th chapter. And I want to I want to look at another reason today why individuals are and will fall away. In Matthew 24, Jesus was uh, talking about the last days. He's talking about the end times. Um, and I want to pick up here in verse 11, 24, 11. It says, then many false prophets will arise and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Because lawlessness will abound, what will happen? The love of many will grow cold. This is one of those traps. This is one of those pitfalls that happens in the last days. And again, now watch, happens to a level to a degree that can be identified and seen and viewed as something that tells us the end is near. What happens? The love of many grows cold. Alright? Now, now watch. See the language used there about love growing cold. Not love instantly, bam, deep freeze. You know, instantly it is cold, like how it happens, happened to us a few weeks ago. <laughs> Warm, 70, zero. Like something's wrong with that. It's contrary to Scripture, isn't it? At least give us a heads up, huh? Gradually. Uh, thank God it's come back a little bit. Uh, but love, notice it doesn't just instantly become cold, but it, what, what happens is it grows cold. Why is that important? Well, partly because that, that can be some of the deception that's involved. You, you, you remember that uh, in the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter, the scripture talks about the, the deceitfulness of sin and how it has temporary pleasure. All right. In other words, it seems good. It seems right for a while. That's what lures people into a sinful, ungodly lifestyle and, and behavior. Likewise, when someone's love gets cold, it doesn't happen instantly. Otherwise, we'd reject it. We'd say, I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to treat God that way. Uh, but what happens is it grows cold. Little by little, it's getting worse. It's getting colder and colder. And then someone is in a far removed place from where they used to be. They're no longer in love with God. They no longer have a love relationship with the Lord. And so, uh, uh, if you can identify, and this takes specific focus, but if you can identify in your own life, even a slight diminishing of your love for God, that's the time to jump on it. Okay? And the reason we say this 
is because often times people don't recognize it or they don't acknowledge it. They continue on and everything's fine. But if it just begins, if there's just a beginning of your love walk, of your love life with the Lord, when that diminishes, that's the time to get on it. That's the time to make a change. Because otherwise, it'll keep growing cold slowly, slowly, and eventually you might look back and not even realize how this even happened. But you're in a bad place, and that sets you up for falling away. Really, it's already, it's already happened. And so, it's kind of like the seed principle, you know. How many know if you get a, a seed that starts underground and then it starts, let's call it a weed seed, because uh, uh, weeds are bad. And uh, if a weed grows up, how many know it? Uh, it's easy to get out. You can just go out there with two fingers. Just boop, just pull that thing right out. But if you leave it for a while, have you ever seen a weed turn into a bush? Like, I'm going to need a chainsaw for this one. But the principle is when you get things early, they're no big deal. They're hardly a disruption. It's not a problem at all. But if you let things grow, they become a much bigger issue to deal with. What could be slipping away in your life? I'm praying that, that, that there's nothing, but I know reality because I, I've lived and I've, I can identify things in my own past. But what could be slipping away in your life? I think often this stuff begins with stuff that, with, you know, things that are not sinful. It's not like I'm cruising along with God, just enjoying my relationship with Him, loving life, loving the Lord, and, uh, and all of a sudden I go the other way. But it's usually things slip away, like your prayer life. Where did that go? You know, like your, you know, just simple things. Meditation in the Word of God. Reading Scripture. Uh, just simple things like uh, those, you know, those things trade, uh, trail off. Your time of worship. I mean, no, it's easy to even, even, even in a service, which by the way, if this is all we do as believers, <laughs> we stink. If all we do is here, that does not cut it. Okay? Uh, but we know that. But, but when you're, what I was about to say though, even if it's here, how many know it's easy to come into a worship service and not worship? A lot of people do it. We don't approve of it. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? You can come in here and not worship at all. Whole service. You can be there. But how many know being there and worshiping are two different things? Even singing and worshiping are two different things. Everybody know that? See, what's happening inside is so very, very important to the days ahead. It's not what we're just, oh, I physically showed up. Fine, good, that's a good thing. I think, you know, that would be another one to monitor. Because when we trail off in, in, in uh, participation with the body of Christ being in church... That's a very negative sign. That could be a very strong indication of a heart growing cold. Okay? But in the middle of that, it matters what's happening inwardly when we do all the outwards that might be expected by other people or we know to be, you know, consistent with a, a, a relationship with God. What's happening inside of you? Amen, amen. That's better than you think. 
say, well, what are you saying? I, I'm not, I'm just saying that's what happens. I don't know. I can't look at anyone and identify what's happening inside necessarily. But you know. And, and, and these things are important for us in these days. You know, you, you see when things start trailing off, like your service, your involvement, when, when, when your giving trails off. I mean, I, I can't look at you and know what, you're, what, what you give, but I tell you as a matter of fact, I tell you as a matter of biblical truth, when your giving trails off, you're in trouble. It really is, because that's a direct, a direct indication of your heart. Now, we might not want to acknowledge it, say, I want my money. Whatever. I want you to not fall away. I don't want to fall away in the last days. I don't want to be deceived by the things that are happening in the world and, and get them mixed up. I've got to keep my heart in the right place. That's what we're talking about now. Go with me over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. And just for your own benefit, you'll notice there's not an S on the end of that book. In case you want to say it correctly. Not bug people like me. <laughs> you know, over there in Revelations. All right, minor issue. Might as well get it right, though, huh? <laughs> Revelation chapter 2. Think about this. If, if the devil had a choice of where he could succeed in your life, you know, he's a thief, right? If, if he had an area where he could rob you, what would be the preference? Would it be your health? Would it be your finances? Would it be your relationships? What, here's what I believe would be the primary target. If he had his choice of success in our lives, he would try to rob you of your love and relationship with the Father. More than anything else, that's what he's going after. Hmm. I mean, if you were healthy and you were wealthy and you had a lot of this stuff, a lot of blessings, quote, material blessings in your life, but you walked away from God, you lose. You did. You just lost everything. And so I'm convinced that, that that's the, where the enemy is. That, that's what he's coming after in people's lives today. That's why we guard that more than anything. Everybody listening to me now. We guard that more than anything. Because he will try his absolute best to get you to neglect your love for God. Gradually, gradually, gradually it grows cold. Revelation chapter 2, in the first part of this book of Revelation, at least the second and third chapter, what we have there are letters from Jesus to seven churches that existed during that time in Asia Minor. And and in, in these uh, in these letters, he was giving them various instructions and corrections and so forth. Uh, something he said to this church at Ephesus, same church that we have the book of Ephesians, and it's also mentioned in Revelation. Uh, in Ephesus, in verse 4, chapter 2 and verse 4, he, he said, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Were they still going to church? 
Yeah. Were they still praying? I imagine so. Were they still doing a lot of things right? They were. They were. They were doing a lot of things right. But Jesus said this. This is the problem here. This is what I've got, I got against you guys. Against these Ephesians. He said, you've left your first love. And what was his instruction then? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And he's, saying, he's saying, your church is about to dry up. <laughs> your, your, church is about to, your church is about to go away unless you change. You need, repentance means to change. Go a different direction. To think different. You need to go a different direction. What do you mean? What do we need to do? You need to fall back in love. Maybe fall is not the best word, but you know what I mean. Have a deep love relationship with the Lord. We are not about... You hear this all the time from me. We are not about a religion. We are not about a set of do's and don'ts and rules and requirements and and all, all this type of thing. No, we are about a relationship with God Himself. That's what Jesus came to restore. The removal of sin, the removal of the curse, the removal of all this satanic bondage on the human race is a blessing for sure that we can and should enjoy and God wants it. But the primary purpose for the Lord Jesus suffering and dying in our place is so that we could be restored to a relationship with God. And if we get our eyes off of other, onto other things and miss the main thing, then we've really missed it. And Jesus was warning them. He said, watch out, you guys. You've got a lot of things you're doing fine. Everything's going good. But you've left your first what? love. That's an issue. What's the solution? He said, you need to remember. Well, that's important, huh? What, what do we Remember. You know what happens when someone gets away from God? When they, when they grow cold, they forget. They forget. Have the things of God ever seemed distant to you? Have you ever been in a place in your life where the things of God, the reality of His presence, His, Him talking to you and, and moving and doing, where it seemed unreal? It seemed distant? Maybe you wouldn't even acknowledge that because it's like, oh, that's bad, you can't even say that. But hey, let's be honest. That doesn't come from a place of truth. It doesn't become, come because that's true or that's a reality. It comes because we forgot. We have, we, we have occupied our mind with other things of this world and we have forgotten where we used to be. And one of the cures to this, this is easy. We just have to go back and rehearse. We have to remember. We have to be like David before he went before Goliath. And how he talked about how he killed the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, it has nothing on me. He rehearsed what God had already done. He remembered things that the Lord had already said to him and worked in his life. And that affected his future. What you remember today will affect your love life with God. Remember when you got saved? Remember a time when, I mean, I've had individuals in here tell me of, of times in their life. And I could tell you my own stories. And if we had time, I could just tell you story after story. But times when, when uh, individuals telling me recently how they got saved and they just... 
for a while there, they cut everyone out of their life and all they desired was to spend time with God. They just, they, they, you know, do their job and stuff and, and just go and spend time with the Lord and they just worship Him. I mean, such a drastic change and none of it coming as an obligation. Someone telling them, you must spend so many hours per day with the Lord. Uh, you know, doing that. No, it just came out of them. They just wanted to spend time with the Lord. I think it's important to remember these things. To call them back to our memory and uh, talk about what God has done. You know, that's one of the whole reasons we... Uh, put a, such a large emphasis on our life groups. We want people to share what God is doing. We can't keep. We have to keep those things at the forefront. This world will overwhelm you. It will bog you down and keep the things of God distant from your present reality. But if we talk about them continually, if we speak, if we remember, those things of God will stay burning like a fire inside of us. Amen, amen. If you don't have any recent testimonies of God moving in your life, that's sad. It really is. It shouldn't be that way. All right? But instead, instead of beating yourself up, let's start remembering. Get that, get that flame back. Get that fire back. But if you don't have anything recent, think about something that happened a long time ago. It'll still work. Yeah. If it was 20 years ago, well, God answered my prayer 20 years ago. Well, let's talk about that one then. Let's talk about that until we get so excited that it might just happen again. Amen. See, these things, what do they do? They stir us up to see him work in our lives today. Now, look at Revelation 3. So he gave that message to the church at Ephesus, uh, another church here uh, of Laodicea. Um, In verse 20, he gave them this message. He said, behold... I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, this is an interesting scripture because I imagine many of you have heard it. Uh, if you haven't you know, studied it personally, you've heard that scripture. Sometimes it's used in, in, in the uh, context of a, of a person being saved. They say, oh, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. And, and I don't doubt that that's a, a, a valid and good message to an unbeliever because I, I think the Lord is knocking at their heart to, to, to call them into a relationship with Him. But the key thing here is Jesus is talking to the church. He's talking to the pastor of the church. Uh, he, what was that? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I acknowledge that. (laughs) But he's not talking to an unbeliever, talking to a believer. And the picture here is really bizarre because it doesn't say, how could this be? But the picture is the Lord standing on the outside, desiring to come on the inside. The Lord now. Spiritually and positionally speaking, is the Lord away? No, no, Lord, never leave you or forsake you. But could this be a description of anyone's relationship with God in here? That it's that it's almost like the Lord Jesus is on the outside trying to get in. We're talking about not salvation, but fellowship. 
We're talking about a love relationship. Is it like he's on the outside constantly bugging you, if you will, knocking, desiring to come in and fellowship with you? That happens. We have biblical evidence that has happened before. And I'm telling you, it's still happening. Now, the Lord's not standing on the outside of the door mad, angry, wanting to come in and knock you upside of the head. He's wanting to stand on the outside of the door, wanting you to let him in so you can enjoy this relationship. This is vital. That church was in trouble because they were not experiencing that and the Lord wanted it. I know I can tell you this, even last night as I was praying for you guys and, and, and for this service, I knew distinctly inside that the Lord Himself was pleased. He showed me that He was pleased that I was going to encourage and challenge and stir you to have a close relationship with Him. You do not know. I, I say you don't. Maybe I'm sure some of you do. You don't know how much the Lord wants to spend time with you personally. How much He desires. How much He yearns for an intimate fellowship, conversation, relationship with you. He, 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 was, he didn't want to be on the outside there. He doesn't want to be on the outside of your life. He doesn't want to wait to have, wait until heaven to have close relationship with you. He wants it now. And it's not only because it brings him pleasure, you know, for his pleasure we were created. It's not only because it helps us and gives us pleasure and joy and fulfillment. These things are essential to protect us in these last days. From going astray and our love growing cold. It's, it, this is kind of a absolutely, we, we've got to do this. So, according to this verse, apparently not everyone, number one, is hearing his voice. He said, If, if anyone hears my voice. So, not everyone's hearing his voice right now. Why? Well, there are reasons for that for that happening, but it's called a, a a hardening of the heart. It is a distraction. We've been focused in on so many other voices of the world that his has become dull, where our senses are finely tuned to the voices of this world and of the flesh. But he said, if anyone will hear my voice and open the door. In other words, what's happening? Many individuals, they do recognize. They know it's the Lord tugging. It's the Lord drawing them. It's the Lord stirring them to, to spend time with Him. To, have, to up their relationship with Him. But they're not opening the door. In other words, He's not going to kick it down, is He? He's not going to, bam, just show up in your house one day and say, alright, let's do this. No, He's going to wait patiently on the front door. Just waiting. Just waiting. But you know what he wants. He wants you to open up. But apparently not everybody does. How about we let that be someone else and no one in here? Uh, If someone's not going to open up, let's let that be someone we don't know. (laughs) And all of us, 
Man, we open the door wide and say, Lord, come in. Let's eat. Dine with him and he with me. It's about a choice, isn't it? We make choices every day. And we're making choices today what we're going to do with our time, what we're going to do with our attention and our focus. I tell you what the Lord wants. You know what he wants. We could read lots of scriptures about this. But I want to, fi- I want to go here and, and uh, hmm, go here and finish today. One reason the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24, we already read it, for people's love growing cold, is he said, he said that because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because lawlessness will abound. Now, how many understand we cannot control, per se, the reality that lawlessness and sin and iniquity, that kind of stuff, is going to happen and is happening around us? We're not going to just go out there and turn it off. But because of that, he said, many will have their love grow cold. What does that mean? It seems to indicate that that lawlessness can have an impact on us. Now, it doesn't have to. But to the degree that I am not separated from that type of life, to the degree that I am not uh, saturated in my thinking, in my mindset, by all the ungodliness around me, if I will remove myself from it, My love will not grow cold. But if I am too close to it and too involved with it, my love for God cannot stay, quote, hot. Look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. It's pretty close there where you are. 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about Lot. See, see, we can feed on the ways of the world. We can feed on this ungodliness. We, we all have screens in our pockets, screens in our houses, right? That give us direct views into ungodliness. So we can feed on, we can feed on God's words. Feed on His ways. And this, this, in 2 Peter, Peter talked about Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And and it said concerning him, verse 7, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So it wasn't instant, but it was from day to day, Day to day to day, he was seeing it and he was hearing it. Seeing it and hearing it. Seeing it and hearing it. What did it do? It tormented his righteous soul. See, there, there are effects that happen to us over time. And really, I think they happen in, in, in sync with each other. We focus on and look at and see and hear day to day lawlessness, ungodliness. Our love grows cold. Right with that. But if I will stop, now I can't remove myself from it completely, but I can overwhelm it with my relationship with God. 
with His Word, with spending time with Him, when that is on fire, how many know, you know, flies don't land on a hot stove? When there's a, when there's a burning inside of me, when there, when everything is going, th- then I can stave off the lawlessness around me from getting in me. Okay? We're going to be around it until we go to heaven. But it doesn't have to get in us. And this takes intentional efforts. In these last days, this is something that's real important. We need to keep clean hands and a pure heart. We need to keep clean hands and a pure heart. I'm not talking about earning your righteousness with God. I'm talking about common sense and keeping your hand out of the mucks. Hand out of the muck and the mire. Hmm. James had this issue. Pastor James wrote the book. He was pastoring at Jerusalem. He had this issue with his church. And so, you know, we admire and appreciate the early apostles and these guys and stuff. And they were doing a great job. But they had issues with people too. And people were led astray. But he wrote a letter that we have in our Bible to his church. And a lot of it was pretty sharp. It was, it was a sharp rebuke. And some of what he said, uh, he told them to draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. He told them in, in, the, in the eighth verse of chapter 4, uh, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, he's rebuking them. They're not technically sinners because they're saved. But he's rebuking them. He's calling them names. (laughs) And he said, listen, you guys, you need to keep your hands out of this stuff. And you need to uh, purify your hearts. You're double minded. You're thinking one way, one thing one day and something different the next day. And how many think that kind of rebuke is is helpful? I I mean, if you say, no, I don't like that. Well, Sometimes we need to remember what causes us to drift, what causes us to grow cold, and it is called ungodliness. It's called lawlessness. It's called seeing and hearing it and keeping our hands in it. And this is a day. The church needs to come together, and we need to have standards of righteousness that come from God, not from this world. We need to let His words, His principles govern our lives, our behavior, our actions, and not just what everyone else is doing. Because the culture as a whole has been in a steep decline for a long time. But we've, we've seen it uh, speed up quickly in the last handful of years. The last ten years, I mean, the decline has gone, bam, just off the cliff. It really has, and, and you know, if we're... Sleeping in the middle of this, we don't. We think, oh, yeah, everything's still good. Man, it's bad. It's so contrary to God, and that's why there should be more than ever not a blurring of the lines of who's saved and who's not, but a real distinction: those who stand for the Lord, those who are walking with Him, and those who are going the other direction. Amen. Just like you shouldn't have someone wonder from a distance if you're a man or a woman. Can't tell. You know, you might want to fix that up if something's going on there. We'll help you shop and stuff. Uh, But there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be 
that, that view of us, whether we are believers or not, whether we're walking with the Lord. Are they a Christian? I can't really tell. I've been with them for a few weeks. I can't really tell if they're a Christian, if they're really living for God. Yee. No, it's time for things to separate and it to be very, very obvious. Uh, not just by a bumper sticker, not just by a T-shirt, but by character and by power. By presence of God that comes out through us, by results that are in our lives, there's just a tangibility of God in us. And, of course, character, too. Amen, amen. Well, I'm trying to finish. You guys are safe. There's another service. But I, uh, what, what happens to the one with a cold heart? It's that last verse we read at the beginning from Matthew 24. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Well, cold-hearted people, they simply don't endure. They don't. When, when difficulty comes, when hardship comes, when trials are, are around them, they don't stick it out. They're the ones that fade off. They drift away. And so I'm convinced again, I'll tell you again. The Lord is happy that we're talking about this today. I'm happy that He's happy. That we're doing the right thing. He desires more than, far more than you and I just doing what He says. Us obeying His commandments. He desires to have intimate relationship with us. It's one-on-one. It's personal. With you, with me. He wants that relationship to burn, to be a flame. Huh? He wants that to be the, the, the reason we live. There are so many other things that are going to take care of themselves in that context. But without that, man, you own the world with a fence, fence around it and, and it's nothing in comparison. Amen, amen, amen. As I pray, you pray today. You pray He's with you. This is your relationship with Him. Father, I love you today. I serve you. Lord, with our whole hearts, we worship you. We honor you. Lord, we draw near to you. You draw near to us. Father, for individuals today, maybe they've just, maybe it's just slight. Maybe it's just a little bit. They can identify where they've kind of slacked off. They've gone gone. Away, They've left off some components to their life that really helped them to walk close with you before. I pray that they'll be aware of that today. Not to feel condemned because you're not a condemning spirit. But Lord, just to recognize it so we can identify and move right back. And begin these practices. Begin this lifestyle that fosters a deep love for you above everything else in life. Thank you for working in us today. Lord, you're so faithful. You always draw us close. You always draw us near. You're always pulling on us to, to walk close with you. And what a, what a joy that is. We yield ourselves to you now. We draw near. Oh, we come close to you. Thank you for what you're doing in us today. Thank you. Father, I pray for any individual that's drifted. Their love has grown cold. May there be a fire started in them now as they remember your goodness and your faithfulness. They remember what you have said and done in their life before. Thank you for that. Father, for those 
and have never had a fire. They've never been turned on for you. They've never, uh, they've never received this intimate relationship. Draw them to yourself today for the first time now. That they could experience your best. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen.